the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. We have a beautiful day out today, just gorgeous, just phenomenal. We are highly favored and highly blessed in the Bay Area for the kind of weather that God allows us to have virtually all year long. Today, I'm excited, happy, thankful, uh, stirred, concerned, but not moved, not fearful, not anxious, not dreading anything that is on the harbor or uh, on the forefront of these crazy times that you and I are dealing with. Um, Again, welcome to the Monday edition of Lifeline, your host, Jesse Gistan, just uh, filling in for the next two hours. The number is 1-888-367-5329, fear not, little flock, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about a bunch of things, but we definitely want to stay uh, on point with where we kind of left off last week, dealing with what will not go away for the next several months. Um, you know what I've concluded? I have concluded concerning this upcoming presidential election uh, and the mess that we are kind of in and all of this crazy revolutionary protesting and and massive unrelenting worldwide pervasive propaganda that's taking place in our world it's it's very clearly a left right argument if you've been following me on our website and our live stream as we've been teaching over the last couple of weeks started off uh, last Friday, but talked about it a while earlier that I would actually be going through the Communist Manifesto with our congregation to help them understand what I've been teaching for years is what is called the Hegelian dialectical process, the phenomena of change based upon conflicts that result in a compromise and, and therefore a consensus moving away from prior sets of uh, ideological assumptions, prior sets of governmental policies, prior sets of, of social constructs. This is the way that Hegel has seen the world moving. And uh, his ultimate prediction is that the world will end up functioning as a sort of one world governmental global unit. That is your basic humanist ideology, quite frankly. It's, of course, much more uh, complex than that. And if you, again, if you're tracking with me, I'm laying these things out in terms of the dialectic. The dialectic would go something like this. You have the Bible, and you actually believe the Bible is the truth. And you have learned how to take the Bible for all that it's worth. 
You've learned that the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is a revelation of who God is and how he works in the world, whether in creation, whether in the uh, inanimate creation, that is creating the world in six days uh, and then resting, that is reflecting upon his work on the seventh, bringing mankind of whom he created out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life so that mankind becomes the image bearer of God. He is therefore distinctly different than the creatures that God made on so many levels. And that mankind was called to be the vicar, called to be God's uh, chief servant on earth to subdue the world and replenish it and fill it with God's glory by redeemed men and women everywhere on the planet. And this ultimate goal, we call it a teleos, this ultimate teleological objective could only be fulfilled in his son, Jesus Christ, because the first Adam sinned, but the last Adam prevailed and everyone in the first Adam is a sinner, and according to the teaching of 1 Corinthians, in Adam all die. He's describing the culture of death that I'm going to expand on here in a moment. In Adam all die. But then in Christ all shall be made alive. He's giving us two representative heads, two federal representative of two humanities, one unredeemed, the other is redeemed. And the way the Bible lays it out is that there is a kingdom of God and a kingdom of darkness. That there are people who believe God and his word, rightly divide God's word, and understand God's word both covenantally and progressively in terms of its application of redemption and obedience all the way through. And they don't hop and skip around the Bible, picking and choosing what they want to believe and how they want to, uh, if you will, piecemeal it together to justify their, their, their positions. This would be people who would be operating in the false church, the apostate church, or the pretending uh, uh, what, what folks will call spiritual-minded individuals. True believers have been taught how to properly and logically, exegetically teach the Word of God coherently in a fashion where not only do we see the redemptive love of God in Christ as supreme to our identity and our salvation, but the moral and ethical laws of God God are able to be practically extracted from the reality of who Jesus is as the perfect man, and therefore obedience uh, complied to it and through it. A right understanding of biblical truth does not compromise with the culture. A right understanding of biblical truth does not compromise with the culture. A right understanding of biblical truth models for the culture a confronting gospel that demands that we are sinners and in need of regeneration and redemption and change. A compromising gospel, however, falls prey to allowing everyone to remain just as they are and therefore can be included in the community of God, notwithstanding an open, express opposition to God morally and to God spiritually. Let me say that again before we go into our topic. False religion, false Christianity, false churches do not have a salvific message that is actually redemptive and actually renews the heart. 
so that it changes a man's worldview, a woman's worldview, and brings them into conformity with explicitly clear teaching in the Word of God about what it means to be regenerated, renewed, and born again. True Christians all over the world from the beginning of time have always lived counterculturally in a fashion with which the world had, had to always either put up with or try to cause to shut up men and women who actually live for the glory of God. This is the true Christian. And the true Christian, being clear on his identity, is committed to one thing, calling men and women to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, because the true Christian understands that the real problem in our world is sin. When we get away from the sin issue, we're simply putting a Band-Aid on a gaping wound, and we're actually abandoning our calling as Christians. I was thinking about, you know, uh, how sometimes in our world with all of the different pockets and uh, cultures and different balkanized groups, you know, that are hostile and opposing and challenging and and threatening people, uh, that you find that individuals who actually become clear on some of the diabolical agendas that are taking place in the world have to end up standing up and opposing these systems or groups are people who are actually trying to take them in a wrong way. Now, you guys know I've been talking about this for decades. You shall not follow a multitude to do evil. You shall not simply submit to the cultural cry and hue and uh, and, 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 and complaint of, of whatever it may be without first proving all things and holding fast to that which is good. The Christian must be biblical in his, his beliefs, biblical in his, his practice, biblical in his stance, or else he has defected from the gospel of the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Now, when it comes to, again, this big old movement, particularly BLM, Black Lives Matter, and today it's trans Black Lives Matter. We'll deal with that down the line because we already knew it was coming. I told you before, part of the agenda of the intersectionality of the social justice movement is to be as a Trojan horse. The social justice movement is a Trojan horse that has been brought into the midst of the community, into our world, and naive, ignorant people operating out of a one-issue argument ends up allowing the social justice uh, warriors to, while we are sleeping or ideologically blinded or just careless about the real underlying agenda, opens up the hatch late at night and you come to discover that there are more components to the civil rights movement than there was of the issue of discrimination. Now you find yourself supporting a whole litany of things that are explicitly, explicitly contrary to the Bible. That is your Trojan horse system. It's been around forever. I've been warning about this for 15, 20 years. And here we are now having a civil rights issue. Right now, it's a, a race issue, the fictitious construct of race, the faulty, unbiblical, fictitious construct of race, which means the premise of racism is absolutely flawed on its premise. Again, something to be developed, 
But here we are dealing with so many categories of human expression, walking in false narratives, self-defining, and they all get a pass. This is what the Supreme Court has just done with trans. And I'm going to talk about the connection of that with Black Lives Matter and then the connection of this, what we recognize is a neo-Marxist cultural race revolution. In other, in other words, race is used as a kind of drawing point for this neo-Marxist cultural revolution. And people do not know that the race issue for them is not really about race. It's about absolute and total control and destruction of our culture and our world and bringing everyone up under a very uh, monolithic set of communistic dictatorial ideas that are absolutely fallacious but eternally destructive if we succumb to this is why I'm teaching about Marxism on Friday nights because the fundamentals to the movements that you see people uh, kind of up in arms about and often involved in the fundamentals to that movement, the fundamentals to the Black Lives Matter movement, the fundamentals to a lot of the movements even in the 60s is a Marxist philosophy of revolution, destruction, abolition, and basically takeover and implementation of a whole new system that is basically much more bondage-oriented, controlling, and dominating of your lives than you could ever imagine. And it's this Marxist system that is explicitly hailed to be the foundation of the Black Lives Matter movement, as stated very clearly by the uh, co-founders of the Black Lives Matter movement themselves, who call themselves open anarchistic Marxists. So when you hear people uh, who care, people on the right, or are, are, as I'm going to share with you after the break, Brave black men and women, brave African-American men and women who stand up and challenge the hypocrisy of the system. When you hear them, you may not like what they're saying, but it's a couple of things that you must take into consideration. The merits of their argument, if you are a rational person, if you're not driven by emotions, if you're rational, you hear the merits of a person's argument. And if you understand the merits of the argument, you, you give them credit for it. You may not like it, but just because you don't like it mean it's wrong. And I'll tell you what I really do believe. It will be brave African-American women who stand up to the strong delusion of this fictitious neo-Marxist cultural race revolution. It'll be the African-American men and women that they really want to bring into the ploy. One of the things I shared with our congregation on Friday is uh, several different YouTube events where there is the eclectic of understanding and diversity of opinion on the part of the Amer African-American community that allows you to see this, that not all black people agree with what's going on on the left. There is a very reasonable and, re and rational spirit spectrum, degrees of differences of opinion, all the way to the far right, all the way to the far left, all the way to the middle, the moderate, the, uh, the, 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 the wise and experienced. And you really need to hear their voices because they bring greater clarity to this particular present chaos than just your left-wing news media. And then even sometimes your right-wing news media does not know how to effectively engage uh, the audience, because they're almost always catering to their their audiences, whether left or right. And uh, and what I'm going to share with you 
uh, is just some excerpts by or, or, or one one video clip by a particular African American male who really did put the Black Lives Matter on their heels because he knew some of the very things that we know about what the real issues are in the African American community, the real issues. He knew and he challenged them and shut their mouths. This was not only the case with this one African-American brother, but fortunately over the last couple of weeks, I've been able to hear uh, several very versed, very sound, very learned African-American women who have challenged the movement publicly and, uh, and, 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 and effectively as well. And they have nothing to say to the fact that in reality, when you really talk about all of the different issues that are facing the African-American community, Black Lives Matter does not care about certain things. They only care about one thing, and that is power, gaining power over Donald Trump. And this will be explicitly laid out before you when we come back on the Monday edition of Lifeline. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine is the number. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine is the number. If you're not calling with uh, with a clear head, if you're not calling with uh, a desire to actually participate in the topic we're dealing with, we're not going to take you. Going to just let you know now. You you have to be ready to uh, speak with some relevance to this subject, and you have to be ready to um, either learn or to engage respectfully. If not, you will not be put on the air. We're not going to waste your time because there's a lot of people that are listening a lot of people that are listening and they listen with bated breath to learn the different views from besides what you get on fox news or cnn news so i'm letting you know now you won't get on if you're not coming with a clear understanding of why i do what i do on the monday edition of lifeline again the number is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine i will be right back and now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. The time is 529 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Absolutely honored to be with you for this hour and a half that we have remaining on the program on a wonderful day in a very trying world in which we are in. And uh, we've got one line open, one 367 5329. I want to try to do this and I want you guys to listen to this and we'll talk about this a little bit in a moment. Okay. Okay, here we go. Black Lives Matter or just some black lives? Black lives killed by black men matter, right? Yes? The black babies killed in the abortions clinics matter, right? Not so. The black, the black officers killed by that bastard in, in Minnesota, that matters too, right? Okay. But the black babies that are killed in the abortion clinics don't matter, do they? Medical people. Uh, do their lives matter? Does the future of our black babies matter? Um, what's up? What's up? Awful quiet now, aren't they? Uh-huh. It's okay if we kill them in the womb, right? But you have a problem when we, you don't seem to really have a problem when we kill them on the streets. Yes, well, we know they're the same is, issue. If we, don't, if we don't respect the lives of our unborn children enough to save them and fight for them, our lives mean nothing once we're born. You all have a good day. All right. Now, that's an African-American brother who basically did his homework and he recognized the ruse or hypocrisy or slanted picture 
that the Black Lives Matter presents. In terms of its agenda, this African-American brother clearly figured out that black lives does not matter to Black Lives Matter. The only black lives that matter to Black Lives Matter are those people who will join in their one-issue agenda to basically take down the president. And, I mean, it's remarkable because, as I stated earlier, it's going to be African-American men and women who are willing to brave the uh, currents that are presently trending against us in terms of ideology and worldviews. Because, again, as I stated, the neo-Marxist cultural race revolution uh, requires men and women to be bold enough to recognize that a large part of what's taking place is merely rhetoric propaganda that basically is sweeping men and women into a one-issue group, if you will, identity group. It's called identity politics in order to to, to win the White House. And I'm going to show you through plainly expressed articles on the part of Black Lives Matter that that is the case. But what was that brother doing? What was he doing? He was showing and exposing that there were extremely compromised principles on the part of all those folks that were out there. Now, there were out there not only black people, because if you guys note what's taking place now in this movement versus as was the case Well, I don't want to quite say it like that. There is a substantial difference between the civil rights movement uh, of the day of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X when I was a child, substantially different in its methodology and also in its goals than is the case today. There were some some similar substratums, such as socialism and Marxism, that did underbed a lot of what was going on. We have exposed that over the years. But here today, again, Black Lives Matter which is promoted by billionaires, which is really a powerful institution making its way up the ranks of media, entertainment, politics, etc., is really not about black lives. That brother said, does the black lives of babies in the womb matter? And we would have to say that black lives matter does not care about the babies in the womb. Do you know why? They are supported by Planned Parenthood. They are supported by Planned Parenthood. And if you guys know, and, you know, particularly I'm talking to the African-American, uh, uh, African-Americans out there who particularly don't care for any uh, African-American who would stand up and actually give you the statistics and try to reason with you on the basis of logic and not emotionalism. If you know who is the highest leading representatives in the abortions that take place in America? Which, which category of females actually abort babies more than anybody else in America? You know the answer. Is that word that we are hearing ubiquitously everywhere, every day, and it's called black women. Black women are having abortions every day four times more than their so-called counter-white. Now, I hope that I have an opportunity to share with you the fictitious nature of, 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 of very, the very idea of racism being a consequent of, of, uh, of melon or skin color. But if you really looked at the stats, you would di- discover that uh, if there are five women going into an abortion clinic, four of them are black. And guess what they are doing? Killing eternity-bound souls. Now, how many uh, how many black women are having abortions over the course of a year? Thousands. 
In fact, the average is over a thousand a year. And, and if that's the case, uh, what what a lot of African-Americans have figured out is that when you have when you are killing that many babies over the course of a year, if it's not if it's not a thousand, it's ten thousand. I'm trying to remember the numbers. I'm almost sure it's a thousand uh, um, nine hundred and ninety something. Uh, I'm probably I'm probably talking about a month. But the reality is, is that our African-American women are having abortions more than anybody else. And ladies and gentlemen, that substantially impacts politics. So how can we how can we expect to make any kind of advancements in politics if, on the one hand, we are absolutely in need of the African-American vote? But on the other hand, we're killing African-Americans in the womb and wiping out the capacity for growth in numbers and therefore always finding ourselves behind the gun in that regard. But beyond that, our brother also made mention of the fact of the killing of blacks by blacks. That's crazy. The killing of blacks by blacks. Now, a lot of times, again, we don't want to hear the stats, but the stats speak factually about what's going on. Over the last 35 years, 324,000 U.S. blacks have been killed. And they've been killed by blacks. That's 300, that's a quarter of a million African-Americans have been killed by African-Americans. And then if you add uh, 35 years plus a thousand, uh, times a thousand with babies, that's another 35,000 African-Americans along with the 324,000. That's, that's over 360,000 human beings, African-American human beings killed in a 35-year period. That substantially impacts the ratio for the purpose of, of politics. And, and I am looking at other stats, too, with regards to how concerned are Black Lives Matter when, in fact, of matter, the stats have it that blacks are killing blacks at a significantly higher rate than whites are killing blacks. Listen to the stats here. This is what it says. This is the 2015 consensus. I'm interested in a more updated consensus. But blacks killed by whites are 2%. There's a very sociological uh, explanation for the fact that that's so low. Blacks killed by whites are 2%. In other words, whites are not killing blacks in general. Blacks killed by police are 1%. Blacks killed by police are 1%. Blacks killed by whites is 16%. Blacks killed by whites are 16%. Here, this here is uh, a little slanted. I kind of got that one off. But whites killed by blacks is 81%. In other words, if you turn it around, black people are killing white people at a rate of 80% more than white people are killing black. And then finally, blacks are killed by blacks at 97%. Now, this was a uh, this year was a, a a poll that was done in 2015 by uh, Federal, uh, Federal Bureau of, Invest of Investigation. And I'm wondering what that would be today. But this is what our brother was standing up talking to them about, you guys. He was saying, okay, now, you, 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 you are right. We got some issues to deal with pr uh, police brutality. You are right that we've got some issues to deal with systemic racism if you get your facts right you are right that we've got some problems in terms of uh, police uh, exercising uh, massive massive uh, militant forms of style of, uh, of governance that has proved itself to be not only politically incorrect but uh, but extremely harmful but those are not central issues to the survival of the african-american community and if you heard that particular clip 
clearly. You know what's notice what you heard? When he asked the question, are you concerned with blacks in the womb, African-American babies in the womb being killed, there was almost complete and total silence. And he anticipated it. This is the hypocrisy of the left. This is even the hypocrisy of black people, that they would allow the silence of the lambs, the babies in the womb, to be killed, but would go up in an uproar over police brutality at the present time. Why is that disconnect there? Because this is political. This is not an organic social movement based on a, uh, a, a universal uh, application of, of bad practice on the part of police. This is politics. This is propaganda. This is how you move people on a single issue without taking into consideration that there are many, many more issues that our African-American community are having to face. Let me see here. I'm going to take a, a couple of calls before I take a break and would love to continue to dive in with you because, as I stated to you before, the thing that particularly believers have to do, believers have to uh, listen carefully and then speak prudently and make sure they avoid emotionalism that leads to wrath. It's just no good to be wrathful and hostile and angry, particularly as children of God. In your patience, you will possess your soul. And I'm telling you, this movement that is presently taking place on a political level and in a political form has been going on in the social media. It has been going on in the entertainment. It's been going on in politics. So it's just this is the beast coming out of perdition into the world, manifesting itself for one fell swoop, if it can, get the presidency and begin to change policies at levels that would blow you away. And policies, by the way, professing Christians, that would make it extremely difficult for Christians to live in this world under the blessed treasure of freedom of expression, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly, and all the other freedoms that we want and need as Christians to be able to maintain a public witness of who we are in Jesus Christ. Without the present freedoms that we have, which have been preserved by the likes of Donald Trump, it's very clearly laid out. He has been pro-Christian. Once those Christian principles are removed by leftist, Marxist, socialist, you and I will find ourselves suffering the cost of standing up for what thus saith the Lord. Let me go to line number one and talk with Sean from Retlands. Line number one, Sean from Retlands. Sean, are you there? I'm here, Pastor Jesse. How are you doing? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so what you been up to? Uh, been, been just working, plotting away, taking things a day at a time, uh, okay. taking care of the family, and uh, trying to walk with the Lord every day. Hey Amen. What's your thoughts? Um, there's, uh, there's so many things that you're touching on that's like, wow, like I, there's so many things to talk about. Um, uh, one thing you mentioned um, that I really appreciate is how you mentioned when you're talking about abortion, how you said the silence of the lambs in the womb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've always, I've always looked at it like that. Like um, as far as abortion is concerned, it's, and I, I believe that babies in the womb who are aborted or young children like that who die, I believe that they're covered. They're part of God's elect. And in a, in a, in a way 
an abortion is a type of suffering like Christ suffered because they're silent in the womb. They can't, they, they, they're led, they're led to slaughter. Like Christ was led to slaughter, did not open his mouth. They're innocent in, in the sense that we know they're in Adam, but they're innocent in the sense that, um, they do not yet know good from evil, that sort of thing. And, um, so I really appreciate that. Uh, I think, um, one of the, th- I, I'm a white man speaking from, from this perspective, mm-hmm. but, and, and I, I've seen the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy is all the way around, but, but in our culture, in our day, the, the, the abortion argument is a very powerful argument in that, like, we have over 60 million children that have been aborted in our country in the last uh, 30 years. And absolutely. a large majority of them have been in the black. And that's, that's horrible. Like that's a, that's a terrible thing. And, um, and, and the hypocrisy shows that it's like you're saying, it's not a matter of race. It's a political matter. It, yeah. it, it's it, it, because you could be white and side on, on the, on the side of that narrative and you're cool. Yep. But, and you can be black and disagree with that narrative and you're shunned. And 100%. so, so it's, it, it's a political thing. And, um, and one verse I wanted to quote that I think is a, is, is, is a, is a huge, uh, reason why there's so many issues. I think it's the last verse in the old Testament where the book of Malachi in the book of Malachi, sure. where sure. Talking I know about it. Repentance, quote it. Says, I will bring the hearts. I will turn the hearts of fathers back to sons, and the hearts of sons back to their fathers. And that I think, in general, is dealing with repentance that God is granting through the preaching of the gospel. But in a family sense, when when you look at not just the black community, but the numbers are staggering in the black community. I myself, a white person, was raised without a father, and so I personally know the 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 damage that that causes and the things you just miss out on but in the black community specifically there's like seven over 70 percent fatherless homes yeah and and the abortion issue is is compounded because fathers aren't there if there's yeah. more fathers there then i think those numbers would just naturally go down but that's not to make excuse for women doing that but oh, not at all. But you know what I got to do? I got to take a break so that I want to I want to hold you over so we can finish that thought, because what you're dealing with is a neo-Marxist cultural revolution that is anti-patriarchal. I've talked about that. You know that. And this gets at the heart of the gospel. Everything that's going on in the revolution hates every pillar of redemptive revelation concerning the character of God and the person of Christ. Really what's going on here, uh, my brother Sean and all of you who are listening, this is a hatred for the gospel. You guys hold on. This is the Money Edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistan. We will be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We are back the time, 551, on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Sean, are you still there? I'm still here, Pastor. All right, good. Finish your thought, my brother. Uh, my thought was just uh, in quoting Malachi, the last verse, Malachi, last verse of the Old Testament, um, the, the absence of fathers in homes, in not just the black community, but in, in human, human beings in general, um, I, I think is is a core issue that results in 
people who don't have a direction and a guide to help them navigate through the craziness that's going on in the culture and in the world. And so, so people get swept away with these types of movements because fathers are absent, because fathers are supposed to be there to help their children understand the times and understand why things are the way they are. And so if we don't have that, and, and, and ideally, of course, a father who is in the gospel, you know, who's in Christ and, and, and is grounded there, that, that father can help his children in these times. But, but um, I think that's a huge issue, and that goes into what you were talking about as far as Marxism and socialism, how you break down the family, you break down, you break down uh, foundations of society and categorize everybody and make them fight over those different categories, all the while we're all moving in the same direction where all of our rights and freedoms and everything is stripped away and we're brought into a one-world system that um, we have no religious freedom, we have no uh, economic freedom, we have no freedoms, period, because we've all been fighting each other over earthly things that we've lost focus on the real things that matter. Right. So and, um, you, 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 you've been able to um, keep up with me as I'm dealing with the uh, Communist Manifesto and dealing with uh, plantation politics propaganda, right? Yeah, I really love the, 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 the um, push cart paradigm. I, I, sure. never, I never heard of the push cart paradigm and, and how one's going up, one's going down, and they're essentially fighting each other, but the, the cart is moving in one direction, you know? And Absolutely. That, I've been teaching that. that. I've been teaching that. i got to cut you off because of time's sake, Sean. Thank you. I've yeah, been teaching fine. that for a long time, Sean. Some black people get it. Some white people get it. Uh, the people that are going to get it are the people that are willing to get off of a master's plantation and quit thinking that politics is going to save you. Only Christ is going to save you. But I'm going to be teaching this more fully on Friday at 630. So join. And if you want to, Sean, and anybody else out there, you can chime in. You'll get the information as to be able to chime in on Zoom with your questions or comments because we're going to have a long Q&A around this because we want to establish some clarity on this longstanding battle that we have been engaged in for many, many, many decades. The believer must be armed. He must be clear. He must be sound. He must understand what's going on so that walking in vision, he can be a light and a guide to those who want to honor God and honor his word. Let's go to line number two and talk with Jermaine from Alameda. Jermaine, are you there? Oh, yes, I am. Hey, what's going on, man? What's your thoughts? Well, um, you know, I, uh, I kind of was just paying attention to the current events, and I, I did check out those two summits, by the way, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reserve comment until you develop your point this Friday. But the whole Black Lives Matter movement kind of had me feeling a little bit uncomfortable for a while. And right. The reason I was uncomfortable is because I actually started doing some research into the, the origins and the founders. And the more I researched, the more I was kind of horrified because I realized that this is kind of a Trojan horse movement. And, uh, you know, I, I was just checking out the uh, kind of the fruits of everywhere they go. It doesn't seem to be strictly about black people anymore. And I think you had alluded to it earlier. This seems to be an organized movement that incorporates issues that deal with black people, but the ultimate goal seems to be to get the White House. And they're trying to build momentum, you know, uh, across all the states to do this. I also checked out the the uh, funeral of George Floyd. And how I relate that is, 
I, I try to be reserved about comments I make about people in ministry, but I watched Al Sharpton preach the sermon, and I couldn't help it. I, I didn't hear any Jesus. I heard no gospel. At um, all. I, I, and it was really disturbing to me, because had that been my own family member, I don't know if I could have maintained my composure. Right. The problem I had was when I asked people who watched the sermon you know, what they thought about it, that it, it was like a rousing standing ovation. And I realized I couldn't really make any more comments because they, they were completely fooled by what they had seen. There was nothing in the sermon that had anything to do with, with things of the afterlife, things of God. It was all political and it was disturbing to me. Mm-hmm. And I noticed most of the people who appreciate that kind of preaching, they they'll top on the black lives matter movement without even thinking or investigating what's going on. Uh, and also with abortion, I, I actually had seen the video you were, you were talking about earlier where abortion is an issue that is sensitive to me because I was almost aborted. Right. I'm paying very careful attention to these issues, and no one has said not one word about the thousands of, of potential babies and lives that are eliminated before they get a chance. Yeah. And it, it again, is disturbing to me. And I've had conversations with family members and friends, and they all seem to have blinders on. And the ultimate goal is Trump did this. And I don't want to sound like I'm an apologist for the president. However, I think it depends on what narrative you're following, because this this entire movement, this entire situation in our company seems to be almost written and it seems to be directed. And I know if you sit there watching CNN for hours a day, I've seen people, they seem to have this, this hate and this rage, and they feel they're more informed than, than everyone else because the broadcast might be a little more crisp than the other. Um, this whole thing has kind of disturbed me, so I'm really glad you brought up the topic because I think you've tied it in. And ultimately, this, is, this comes against God. This is what right, and this is and this is where we have to be honest and and vulnerable as African Americans too, because we pretend to be believers in Christ. We really do, and this is my concern with African Americans who have compromised the gospel for decades. And the African the African American Church is a perfect example of this culture of death and this embrace of a Marxist, uh, false egalitarian agenda. And, and and I'll talk more about that down the line. But I've been warning against this for years. It's quite remarkable because I've been preaching the gospel of the grace of God in Christ for decades, as you know, Jermaine. And many people will hear me and they will marvel at the, uh, the supremacy of Christ coming out of my preaching and exegesis. And they'll be drawn into that. They'll want to hear that and, 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 and rejoice in it for a while. But as soon as political issues come up, they demonstrate that their allegiance to politics and identity politics at that brings about such a cognitive dissonance that they don't understand that they are operating out of a walking contradiction. In other words, you cannot hold to a ideology of Marxism and actually truly believe the gospel. You cannot. And at some point, you're going to let a gospel truth go, a gospel teacher go, a gospel church go, because your identity is largely wrapped up in your ethnicity, which also is a, a fictitious category that we have to continue to unfold. But thank you for your call. We'll keep talking about that. Let me go to line number uh 
let me see here. Line number three and talk with Leslie from Oakland if Leslie is still there. Leslie, are you there? Yes, I am. Thank you so much ah. for taking my call. Yes. Um, first Question or honor and glory to God, I thank first and foremost. And I thank you for this subject. You started off talking about God matters, how God matters, and God right. does matter. And Jermaine did just the same. Um, I just wanted to just pick up last week as you were talking about and, and, say, and just reiterate about um, that I, I mentioned about God gives us eternal life. And I just wanted to be clear about that because you said something about the churches and African-American churches and how people, you're teaching this and then they're doing this. You're doing this, they're doing that. So let's just right here pick up where God, what, what has to happen is we have to repent and seek God. We have to repent and seek God. He saves us, right, yeah. by which we receive eternal life, and eternal, eternal life is essential in him through faith in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That is the core of everything, because unless yeah. God takes control, Unless God gives us eternal life, we're all living some other form of life that yep. we don't want to live. We need to live eternal life. Now, this is huge, and people really need to know it, because salvation is now. It's now. And it's amazing and spectacular in how God does this by his grace. It's spectacular, because God is spectacular. God is not some little somebody over in a corner, right? And so many people have seen, we seem like we minimize God to a degree. But it's God not seen, sister. It's factual, and, and you know it. And so you don't have to hedge because factually what you must, what you do know, Leslie, and particularly I'm talking about our experience in the African-American community, although it goes on in the, in the uh, Caucasian community too. When you do not make Christ your identity, it then therefore does not become your narrative. It does not become your mission. It does not become your politics. My politics, my narrative, my mission, my identity is wrapped up in Jesus Christ, Leslie. And unless we are operating with that supremacy of mission in him, like you said, the message has to be eternal life. Men and women have to repent. The Bible actually has to be adhered to soundly and seriously, or else what we're doing is we are putting on a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And if you look at us, we look exactly, act exactly, talk exactly, and do exactly as the culture because we have not been transformed. And that is at the nexus of the issue for the church. It should not be losing its focus of men and women needing to be real, genuine, authentic, born-again, Christ-exalting, Christ-cheerleading, Bible-based, Bible-clarifying, uh, uh, God-loving, worshiping men and women, calling the world, confronting the world with their real issues, and that's the issue of sin. But you're not seeing that hardly anywhere today. No, we're not. And the other, And one last thing is that Anyone who organizes or forms their own opinion outside of salvation, outside of God, it, it's not of God. And Agreed. that is really simple, that if we don't really understand, I mean, you can read this Bible day and night, but the understanding comes through the Holy Ghost. That's, man can't teach us. The Holy Ghost teaches us, and he teaches us. So if that's the case, we have to know, and everyone needs to search their hearts and understand whether or not 
when they repent, are they repenting and surrendering and seeking God and giving their lives to God? Or are they just picking a sin here and a sin there? Because God is not a sin. So if we're running around, if we're troubled by sin, we got to evaluate ourselves, examine ourselves, and see whether or not we're in the faith. And that is tremendously important. And people need to understand eternal life is now. And if we keep turning it down, turning to these Black Lives Matters, turning to this, turning to these different politics and all these things, God, God don't work. He just doesn't work like that. God is in control. So we got to know he's different from the world, right? So we got to look at that and know that eternal life is essential. No one should die without eternal life. So I agree. Needs to I, I agree, sister. That is that is no. That is the message you spoke very clearly and eloquently. I've got to take a break. I, I won't add anything to that. I wish we understood as a church that we should be suffering for the gospel, uh, not for uh, political masters on the left or on the right. Uh, this is Monday edition of Lifeline. I'm going to take a break. Got three lines open: one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Two lines, rather. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Ross, you hold on, and Nelson, if you behave, you hold on. I'll get to you after this break. 